Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Gregory Melville and Susan Fox and Kathleen Bromage. I want the waiter with the water. I want the waiter with the water for my daughter. I want the waiter with the water for my daughter. Cause my daughter has an order for some water on the tray. She's got a menu that'll send you. All right, that's a little early Ella Fitzgerald with a little bit of restaurant music. Uh, we are going to talk very seriously, very seriously today about what's happening to the restaurant industry during this pandemic. Uh, it's a Wednesday afternoon as I speak to you. The sky is gray, but we're going to make uh, you, you know, appropriately happy and, of course, appropriately concerned. Everything will be appropriate. That's my main promise to you. So, uh, uh, in just a second, we're going to bring aboard two guests. Uh, one of them is Chris Prosperi, who's the person who got me thinking about this in the first place. He's the co-owner and chef of Metro Beast uh, in Simsbury, Connecticut. Uh, and Richard Rosenthal, the founder and president of the Max Restaurant Group. My friend Peter Shapiro and I have been kicked out of at least four of those restaurants back in the 90s. Those were the days. Uh, but before we even get uh, Rich and, uh, and Chris talking about this, let's hear from one of the other superstars of the restaurant in, uh, industry. This would be New York City's Danny Meyer, who's sending a video message to employees of his Union Square hospitality group uh, about oncoming layoffs. He's the restaurateur. He's the CEO. Here's what he had to say. We have laid off more people today than we probably hired in the first 20, 25 years we were in business. I can't believe those words have just come out of my mouth. And we're doing so because we want to be here with you. We want to be back in business when that day comes, which we can all visualize when our restaurants and bars and jazz clubs and events and ballparks and museums are back to doing business as normal. This has been a breathtaking blow to our society. We are a social people, and those of us who work in our company are social superstars. How do we reconcile being apart from one another? How do we reconcile not being able to feed others, which is the thing that feeds us so much? All right, that's Danny Meyer uh, voicing the concerns that a lot of people who run restaurants and work in restaurants have. So uh, let's get into this conversation. So Chris Prosperi, a lot of this start, between us anyway started one day when I was driving home from Simsbury from a walk and I started thinking about Metro Beast and I think I sent you a message. And at that point, I think you hadn't had to lay people off and you were unsure as to what was going to happen, whether or not uh, the, the that scenario, the shutdown scenario was going to come. But it wasn't very long after that. Uh, no, that was, you did get the message. Yeah, it was right after that, actually. And and first, I got to wipe the tears off my face because every time I hear someone like Danny say those words, it reminds me that I just did the same. And Rich will probably come on and say the same. You know, it's it's heart wrenching to have to have done that, but we did it for the same reasons. You know, we want to be here for everyone when we when it comes back. 
Um, you know, and I want to thank you because that day, you know, you, when you talked to me that day, I was on the ledge, right? Mm-hmm. You talked me back off the ledge. <laughs> Well, I mean, maybe you could just say a little bit more. I, I, I just know from our, our colloquies uh, what it was like for you, how hard it was. But maybe you could just say something about how hard it is. I mean, when you run a restaurant, you build a team. And the people, you can't even do the job if people can't function together, trust one another, have each other's backs. So what was it like to say to that group of people, you know, you're not coming in uh, anymore until this is over? Yeah. And they're not just my team. They're my family, you know. And after 21 years, a lot of them have been with me the entire time. So, you know, how do you say that to your friends and family? Because that's what in a restaurant and not just after 20 years, after a short time, they become your family. We're in the trenches together every day, you know, and it's it was the hardest thing I think I've ever had to do. And it's taken me the few days to get to where I am today, where I'm finally just coming out of the funk and, you know, realizing like what Danny said in his little thing there that, uh, you know, we're doing this for the good of everybody, right? Everyone needs to stay home. We need to keep our restaurants strong. So when we do reopen, we can be there for everyone. Um, Richard Rosenthal, um, you faced basically the same problems. And, and I think it's maybe important for you to say a little something about the people who do work in restaurants, many of whom do not have five or six weeks salaries that they're sitting on that they can live off of until things straighten out. Maybe you can say a little more about that. Oh, well, Colin, that's, you know, that's so true. You know, the restaurant people are are, they're really wonderful people, and they're in this for the, the passion of, of serving people, uh, the ability to be social, like, you know, Danny said in his, um, he said so eloquent, eloquently. Um, you know, they're, they're, they tend to be people, you know, they're not making tremendous money. You know, they're, they're making a good living wage. They're doing great, but a lot of them have families. And most of America, as you know, lives a little bit week to week. And, um, you know, though. I would say the majority of our, our service people, the, the tip-oriented employees, have really grown up in this business, and they, you know, they do have mortgages, they do have car payments, they have all the things that all of us have. And um, even though they make a great wage, it's pretty difficult in America today, I think, to really live not paycheck to paycheck. And uh, you know, they're, they're, they've been hitting the knees very hard. And it's you know, it's you know, as Chris said, it's it's really heartbreaking. And you know, I didn't have to talk to as many people directly because, you know, having 10 restaurants and managing partners in each restaurant, it was really handled by all those. But I've had the hard conversations really with my managing partners and chefs and things like that. But it's, it's just so difficult to imagine what they're going through and, and frankly, what, what I'm going through. You know, theirs is worse, but, you know, as a, as a founder and the president of the company, you feel so responsible for all those individuals. And, um, you know, laying them off was one of the hardest things we've ever done. Um, but we did it, you know, if we're not here one month, two months, three months from now, you know, if we paid everyone during this period, we'd be out of business before we reopened, possibly. Mm-hmm. So, so you know, yeah, it's, this... a, it's a hard decision, of course, but it was the only possible decision. Yeah. So, uh, Chris, one thing that you started talking to me about very early on is just the sheer size of the workforce that we're talking about. It might be 15 million people nationally, 160,000 people in Connecticut. I mean, I think, 
you were the first person to talk to me, I think, about what was going to happen when that kind of a workforce all needed unemployment insurance at the same time. So go ahead and talk about that. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think because we're so fragmented, we're not one big company. You know, Rich has 10 restaurants. I have one, but it's still not the whole industry. But you put us all together. And yeah, we're 160,000 strong in the state of Connecticut. That's a lot of people out of work right now. And again, not all of them are out of work, but most of them are. And, you know, and how do you as a government, how do you put that into perspective as far as getting everyone what they need as far as unemployment, insurance, all that stuff? You know, it, we're, we always seem to people that I talk to that we're a small industry, but we're not. We're one of the largest industries in the country, the restaurant hospitality industry. Chris, so, I, think, um, I think we are the second largest employer other than the, the federal government. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's that is actually correct. So, yeah, what you know, we've obviously there's a, a relief bill that's going through Congress right now that you know has some direct payments uh, to some people anyway, and also has an enlargement of an unemployment insurance, an extension of it, uh, and some money for it, some loans for small businesses. I mean, some of these things may or may or may not affect restaurants or, or may only affect certain restaurants. But I'd like to hear from both of you. Chris, ideally, what would real help look like in terms of being able to keep this industry alive, keep its workers going, uh, and, and have it be ready to restart when the time comes? What would real help amount to? Yeah, freeze our bills is one of them, right? Freeze the mortgages, the rents, the, you know, everything we pay, freeze them in time. So we're not bringing in any money right now, but we still owe money. You know, we owe rents, we owe owe electricity, gas bills, insurance bills. If that all freezes and we all freeze everything in time, that when we open, we just start paying them again, and maybe you're back a little bit, but you, you work that out later. But that's the number one thing. And then number two, people are always asking me what they can do. And I equate it to the CSA model, you know, like when you go and pay for your farm vegetables in the spring before they even plant. Yeah. And for a restaurant, all you need to do, like with, with Richie's, go to the Max Group's website and buy gift cards, right? Mm-hmm. Go on that site, buy as many gift cards as you can. And then when you know he's reopening and when he reopens, then go out and, and use it. And that will help keep us going as well. So those two things are, you know, two huge things. Rich, how about you? What, do, what does real help look like? Well, real help is is that big pause. But I just want to uh, reiterate the gift card part. What uh, Max, is, has been, Max Restaurant Group has been doing this week is we're selling gift cards, and 100% of that money that comes in uh, between uh, Monday and Friday is going to our Max Employee Relief Fund. So, we're, you know, we're, we're kind of giving food out later for mm-hmm. money now to help our employees. And we've been doing um, last week, this week, and the, the, the weeks that will follow – We've been doing lunches and meals for our employees. Uh, we've been getting them groceries. We've been getting them, uh, you know, milk from our produce, our produce vendors that are helping out. Sardilli and Cisco have been very helpful. So we're trying to give them something to help. But what can the government do? You know, they've, they've got to come up with ways, uh, and maybe they are in that uh, stimulus, stimulus package, but they need to come up with ways that we can't freeze, like Chris said. And we can't be hindered and we may have to be hindered but by big loans 
that, you know, if we get a big SBA loan, you know, now we've got this big payment of a loan that's become mm-hmm. difficult to carry. You know, most of us try to stay as, as non, you know, leverage as possible in this business. You know, we're working with very small margins. And I know that the, 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 the guests and the consumers never really believe that. But, you know, the restaurant business, and Chris did uh, echo this. Yeah. Fifteen years ago, we used to bring in somewhere in the, uh, like a 15% bottom line, which was pretty great. And that's, that's if you have a restaurant that's doing really well. If you're not doing really well, it's obviously less. Today, if you're doing really well, you might be bringing in 5 6%. So it's become a much yeah. more difficult business. So if you throw some big SBA loans on that, and a business like mine isn't even – we're too big to get an SBA loan. Um, and even if they triple the, um, the number that they're talking about from eight, 8 million to 24 million, we still fall where we can't get one of those loans. And frankly, right. I'm not sure I even want one of those loans because I don't want to have this huge debt service when we're trying to reopen. Yeah, I was listening to a podcast where Dave Chang, uh, the Momofuku guy, uh, compared it to just piling up college debt. It would be the restaurant equivalent of what exactly. generations are going through with uh, with trying to work off uh, college debt. Well, you know, I mean, there are other issues here. So, uh, Chris, um, it's not just you, right? It's I mean, Rich was just alluding to some suppliers, but suppliers are having their chains disrupted as well. And so suddenly they're not supplying you. They're not supplying all of these restaurants. Um, this is not only that they're not supplying schools. They're not supplying food service companies. I mean, you know, the guys, oh. the produce guys, are getting murdered. Yeah. So, of, Chris, you know, we're not the only ones. We're far yeah. from the only ones. Chris, talk a little bit about that ecosystem of just yeah. sort of like the stuff that comes into your restaurant. It's, it's endless laundry. He, uh, Rich has said produce companies, meat purveyors. I mean, it, it, it's a whole ecosystem and you can't. So we're talking 160,000 employees just in the restaurant and hospitality industry. Then if you take all the industries that support us, I don't know what that number is. I mean, there are so many little companies that every day come through my back door and bring us stuff. So, I mean, yeah, we've affected all of that. Um, and and I guess I'm also wondering, Rich. I mean, let's let's imagine a, a fairly good scenario where, you know, on May first, maybe you know the the shutdown is lifted and people are encouraged to start up again. Um, first of all, having a, a whole bunch of restaurants start up on the same day. Uh, <laughs> would be really complicated, and your walk-ins are going to be basically empty at this point, right? I mean, you're you're going to have to restock. Uh, I would imagine that's no small task, Rich Rosenthal. No, it's a it's a it's a startup, Colin. You know, half of our restaurants are actually doing takeout currently, um, so you know their startup will be a little easier. But you know, Max Downtown, for example, will be closed for if you know if you use May first, they'll be closed for over six weeks. That becomes almost a brand new restaurant. You know, how much of the, how many of the employees are going to be back? You know, we hope and pray 100%. But that being a restaurant that has a lot of business traffic, you know, we may be opening in summer. What is it? What does that first month look like? You know, so this, the gearing up and getting ready is going to be, you know, that's going to take a week or two without revenue. And, you know, then the expenses start kicking in again. It's, it's, it's all very complicated. You know, we, we've already started to, you know, kind of do business plans for reopening. Yeah. You know, what, what, what is this going to look like when we reopen? What is the, you know, are we going to be at the same, or is there going to be a pent up demand 
that every person in West Hartford and Simsbury and Glassbury who haven't eaten out in eight weeks is dying to eat out, or are they still a little afraid to eat out? Yeah, I mean, I think so at we, some we point... We don't know any of those things. Right, at some point... It, 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 but it's not going to be London after the Blitz, where the Blitz is suddenly over and everybody knows there aren't going to be any more bombs falling. You know, it, it's going to take a while before people know that that they're okay and that 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 it is like a reasonable thing to do. On the other hand, uh, I do think people really miss going to restaurants. You know, I do. Colin, I, Colin, I got to tell you, I've eaten home the last uh, five or six nights. <laughs> I haven't eaten the home six nights in a row in thirty-five years. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, di- I'm as you know, as a restaurant. I got into business because I love restaurants. I am dying to eat out. <laughs> I have food in my fridge for the first time in my life. <laughs> I never have food in my fridge at home. So, I mean, if this goes on longer, um, it is going to be true. I mean, it is going to be true anyway, Chris. There, there are there were restaurants that weren't doing great before any of this started, the restaurants that were struggling, you know, those are going to be the first to fall. Just a lot of them won't reopen. If this goes on, you know, uh, another couple of months and we don't really get back into into the swing of things until June 1st, I would assume a lot of restaurants that we know and love just won't come back. Um, and I don't know how much you've, you've been able to glean about that just from talking to people you know, but what kind of sense do you have of that? What's the risk? Yeah, I'm, I mean, I think that's why this, you know, the government doing something like freezing our payments or just, you know, doing something like that. And like Rich said, the loan's not going to help us because we don't want a loan. You know, we, we just moved into a new place. We were lucky enough in a year to pay most of that off. We don't want another loan. We, but if you freeze everything for everyone, right, does that make sense? If everything stops since our businesses stop, then even places that are weaker, right, that don't have a lot of money saved up can get through this, right? Because they're not paying bills right now. They're not suffering through this. And the longer it takes to do that, then I guess the, that's when we're going to see more and more start to fall out, right? And that's why I think, you know, the Connecticut Restaurant Association is really working hard with the governor's office trying to, you know, get some of these things at least start. We start the conversation for a lot of these things so we don't lose, you know, hundreds of restaurants across the state. Um, absolutely. And, and, and Rich Rosenthal, one concern that I think some of, some of us have, well, we should back up and say we're living in a golden age of American restaurant cuisine. You know, I mean, so many things have kind of contributed towards that. Even if your margins are getting smaller, those of us who are eating are having a really good time anyway. And then you have this whole social media, social media culture that kind of feeds into it. People are constantly telling everybody else where they're eating and taking pictures of their food. And, you know, you have this, that sense also of the 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 entrepreneur the person who can get into the business and uh, it's also been a great industry for for immigrants for chinese uh, restaurants to open up william tong always talks about his parents doing that uh, recent immigrants opening up chinese mexican restaurant restaurant uh, mexican restaurants laotian whatever but one of my fears is that you know, if there's a real winnowing of restaurants, you might see, we might go back to the days where Olive Garden was, you know, an Italian restaurant and there wasn't that much else because these huge corporations may have deep enough pockets to get through a long period that might wipe out the indie players. I just made a speech rather than answering, asking a question, but Rich, just take it anyway. Well, that, that is the fear that, um, you know, where a group like us falls in, who knows, because each restaurant is a separate corporation the whole thing 
you know, I think the little, you know, the, the ethnic restaurants, you know, they're kind of scrappy and, you know, they, they, they're a lot of family employees and things like that. I think they'll figure it out. You know, they're, they're, they're very hand to mouth, but they're also, you know, immigrants are tough. You know, they're, they're, they, they know how to make money from little sales and they know how to, they know how to grind it. And I have so much respect for those family run restaurants. And I think the middle, you know, the, the newer restaurant or the, the restaurant that's, you know, doing 1% margins, who's a little behind, I think they're going to have a very tough time. And, and we can only pray and beg our government uh, that they come up with the right answers. I don't even know what the answers truly are other than, you know, what Chris has said, you know, kind of freezing things. But, you know, I have a friend who opened a restaurant a couple months ago who, uh, you know, was open for three or four months, you know, doing a great job, but he's, you know, he's, just getting started. You know, this this gap in between, you know, for a month or whatever is going to be very difficult on his business and him personally. It, you know, it's all, when you're yeah. small, so they they kind of kind of go together almost. You know, uh, Chris, I know another thing that you uh, and most people in the restaurant business believe is that, you know, you're not just selling food that people are going to put into their mouths while they sit there, that there's something else that you're selling that involves people coming together, people coming together in a pleasant space, uh, that there's uh, almost a way in which it combines uh, cuisine and aesthetics and community experience. I I was at Metro Beast uh, a few months ago and it turns out the woman sitting behind me had been one of my son's high school teachers at a really critical time in his education and I hadn't seen her for you know 16 years or whatever whatever it was I mean it's sort of that right there's there's like a whole other bunch of impalpable things that get lost when we don't have restaurants yeah and Rich alluded to that earlier that this is you know these are the places we hang out you know these are the places we do business these are the places we go with our friends to celebrate and yeah these are the places you just pop in and you're having dinner and the person sitting next to you is someone you haven't you know on the table behind you is someone you haven't seen in 10 years i mean that's the magic of the restaurant and yeah we sell an experience that's why the takeout thing is a good little plug but it's not the answer for us like a lot of people thought like oh you'll just switch over to takeout and that'll be the same thing but that isn't the same things because we're not just selling food we're selling that whole experience including doing the dishes for you right <laughs> i mean it's a whole package of things i'm wondering if either of you have thought i'll stay with you for a second chris and this mm-hmm. might be too early to ask this question but you know as you think about reopening getting back into business maybe a month from now two months from now mm-hmm. hopefully not longer than that you know restaurants two weeks two weeks two weeks would be a lot better <laughs> our, our wonderful president said we're going to open in about two or three weeks that's right easter yeah <laughs> um so uh so yeah, yeah that's and he's, because... against, and he's against legalizing marijuana i don't understand <laughs> well he knows the Easter Bunny can't get this disease, so he's very confident. So, but you know, I'm just wondering, restaurants I, I, will will they open in a different way? Will the business change? Will the model change? There's ways in which the organization of restaurants is still somewhat predicated on Escoffier and the Franco-Prussian War. Uh, and I'm just wondering. I'll start with you, Chris. Do you, do you think maybe yeah. the, there'll be some rethinking of the paradigm while yeah. you have this strange little off time? 
Yeah, I mean, like Rich, we're doing exactly what he said. We're planning every day when we come in to do a little bit of takeout here and there and feed, you know, we're feeding hospitals and firemen and stuff like that. But most of the time we're spending on this is what we're doing when we're reopening. We're already modeling it and planning it. And and it's it's funny because it's changing every day we come in with new information that we're getting from the government, new information we're getting from our customers. So, I mean, all we can do is, like Rich said, is stay up on it and every day just you know alter your plan from what's going on around us that's the cool thing about the restaurant industry you know we're good at that if we're good at anything that's one thing we're good at all right rich you'll get the last word here well you know it's interesting because it's you know we're having an almost an internal conflict about this because we're thinking okay we got to open up you know we don't know what our revenue will be you know if you're doing x in a restaurant we may we may be doing more we may be doing less and we kind of our gut is it will be less for quite a while but we want to kind of come in a little lean and mean you know and that might mean you know little trimmer menus a little trimmer hours a little trimmer on employees but then we're thinking hey we just laid off 650 employees and we really want to bring them back mm-hmm. and we want to bring them all back not you know 80 percent of them so you know as much as we might need to be lean i think we're going to be so sensitive to our our family of employees that we want to bring them all back, you know, we may have to sacrifice the labor costs and say, you know, they need to get back to work regardless. Yeah. All right. So well, agreed. we're going to let you guys uh, get back to Wait, uh, your planning. You I have one yeah, more yeah. thing I want to say, Colin. Absolutely. And you saw the picture. This is, oh, yeah, this yeah, is yeah. You should say that. Yeah. This is all I got, right? So yesterday, my partner Courtney and I, with our chef Bryson, we were like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? So we found our Christmas lights because we were rooting around the basement. So we decided Courtney came up for what we were going to write on our front porch. And she came up with it, and we put it up in lights, love over fear. And that's what we'll leave you with, right? Love over fear. Right. We're going to get that picture up, by the way, on the webpage for this. So when you go to WNPR.org slash Colin, you'll be able to see that picture. The audio of the show will be up there, too. So thanks to these two guys, uh, Richard Rosenthal and Chris Prosperi. Uh, and we are going to take a little break. We'll come back with uh, some information from the t- trade group. We'll also be talking to a server who is trying to get unemployment. Nighthawks at the diner, Hammers 49 there's a rendezvous of strangers around a cafe in the night. All the gypsy hacks and the insomniacs, now the paper's been read. Now the waitress said, eggs and sausages and a side of toast. A cafe and a roll, hash browns are what easy. Chili in a bowl with burgers and fries. What kind of pie? It's a graveyard charade. All right, uh, we are back. We are talking today about restaurants, but before we uh, go on to our next guest, uh, let me just say thanks to all the people who make this possible. Cat Pastor, uh, for starters, who I think is uh, locating right now our next guest, executive director of the Connecticut Restaurant Association. Uh, but Cat uh, is the person in the control room who's kind of keeping these shows on the air. Uh, we're uh, with the wheelhouse this morning and this show this afternoon, uh, and we're facing various new technical challenges we haven't been through before, 
but uh, Gina Matruda uh, and uh, Joe Koss and uh, TJ Coppola have all been really, really great about helping us surmount those technical challenges. Betsy Kaplan, senior producer of The Colin McEnroe Show, is the producer of this particular episode. Uh, and... Who else? Oh, Katie Tularski uh, is our big boss. She's watching over everything, and when things go wrong, she tries to get them going right. Tim Rasmussen is an even bigger boss, uh, and he's trying to keep us all cheered up and thinking, thinking of games that we can play on Zoom. Uh, and you do a lot of things uh, at a time like this to keep from going crazy. So, yeah, we're talking about the restaurant business. Uh, and um, let me just uh, uh, check in here and see if Scott is with us. Uh, Scott, Scott, you're there, right? I'm here, Colin. How you doing? Oh yeah, you sound great. Uh, and uh, tell, how do I say your last name? Is it Dolch? It's Dolch. Yes. Dolch. Okay. Yep. Executive director of the Connecticut Restaurant Association. So, uh, and, you know, maybe I should ask you a pretty open-ended question here because I know you were on a conference call right before you came on on here or a Zoom or something like that. I don't know. Just in general, give us an update on what has happened to the restaurant industry in Connecticut. Where where do things stand right now? Sure. Um, wow. Really open-ended question. I mean, it's just been. Uh, it's it's been a crazy I guess almost ten two weeks ten days here um, since the executive order came down on March sixteenth uh, to kind of close on premise dining and uh, came fast and furious and and obviously you know I know listening a little bit to the the end of your other call with with the folks and and Rich Rosenthal and, and Chris and those guys is talking through you know what they weren't prepared for I don't think anyone was prepared for um, that to happen uh, that fast for these restaurants and unfortunately it was it was definitely a a difficult day and a couple of days for these restaurants having to make tough decisions by laying off, um, you know, thousands and thousands of employees, which we've seen now with the unemployment lines here in, in Connecticut of up over 70,000, I think that have, that have applied so far. And, you know, just the worry that they have of, of their employees, their staff, they are family. Um, they mean so much to them and having to do that was, you know, such a tough, difficult situation for them. And, and they're just kind of trying to, I guess hold it together as best they can through this crisis. Still trying to provide for their communities with with the takeout delivery uh, curbside, but I think you hit the nail on the head, Colin. They're just talking about that it's you know it's probably less than ten percent um, for most, especially full service restaurants of their business. So you know they're really just kind of doing it to keep a couple people still on staff, um, the best of their ability, and still trying to provide a service to their community. But uh, realistically, it's it's you know they're they're looking for answers, and I'm trying to do my best as a resource to them and work with. You know the federal government with our National Restaurant Association, obviously our state, and the governor to to try to get them uh, relief and support as fast as we can. So, in your uh, liaisons with the state of Connecticut, uh, you've made some suggestions slash requests. Maybe we could talk about a, a few of those. I mean, obviously there is some kind of relief coming from the federal government that's sitting in the pipeline right now. It will either get uh, voted on by the House today or tomorrow. I don't have the latest information. It seems like the House might actually need to read the bill first before they could vote. But, but meanwhile, at the state level, you're asking for certain things. Maybe, uh, Scott, you could just mention a few of those. Sure. Um, yeah, obviously, on a state level, we sent a we sent a letter to the governor's office and, and copied legislative leaders on Saturday, which, uh, you know, really, we just kind of targeted four specific areas um, that we feel the state can can help our restaurants um, now. And, uh, you know, leading the top was really looking at grants or no interest loans, obviously, those SBA loans at 3.75% really, you know, aren't, aren't something I think a lot of these restaurants were, you know, aren't, aren't going to be able to use and having to pay back with the revenue that they're obviously not generating, which we talked about, but looking um, to the state to, to provide um, I know uh, David Lehman had talked about a little bit, um, you know, in some of his comments about bridge loans.
loans and things like that. So, you know, we're hoping to get get some uh, more help from the state of, of what our restaurants are able to go after and get. Obviously, you talked a little about the federal stimulus plan. And I know that's that's a whole part of this conversation of what other help is out there um, on a federal side, but from a state side, you know, really looking to, to the DECD to, to try to um, infuse capital injections now. Um, I mean, the, the cash, the lack of, of cash flow for restaurants um, that, that they just don't have to pay their bills to obviously to, to, to be able to stay open is the risk. I mean, we, we did a small survey um, already of about 150 restaurants that have told us, you know, almost 45% have closed completely. Um, they're not even able to do the takeout and delivery piece. And that number seems to be growing by the day. And that's kind of our concern that we need that help and support. The second area we feel the state can do a lot is, is on the, you know, hopefully we're asking for forgiveness of the sales tax um, for three months. Um, worst case, obviously, we know in New York, they, they're at least deferring it, but that's a huge number for a lot of these restaurants um, to have to pay. And and we're coming at the end of here of March to be able to pay their February sales tax payments and, and not uh, not having to pay those or be able to at least possibly defer them. I think forgiving them would be a, a huge piece to us to, to keeping these restaurants um, afloat for this time. Because I think, I think Rich and a lot of the guys talked about in the last call, it's not not only right now in these next couple of weeks, how they can, you know, keep everything together, pay some bills, but also once we do get through this, and I'm hoping it's only a month or a couple of weeks, but if it's two months or three months, and then the slow progression of having to reopen, you know, they're going to need that 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 support and those 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 funds to be able to do that. I mean, reopening a restaurant of closing it for any short period of time, you can ask any restaurant owner. It, it's just almost as hard as it is right now of of trying to keep keep uh, their business, I guess, going on a small scale or, or being able to pay those bills. So that was the second element. We talked a little about the business interruption insurance, um, you know, to the state trying to say, you know, that, that obviously the COVID-19 doesn't fall into these policies and what can the state do to help um, offset that and some support. And then the, the, the other big one is the unemployment. Obviously, our employees, we have 8,500 restaurants in our state, 160,000 employees. We talked about you know, the majority of the unemployment people, especially initially, were the hospitality um, employees. And we're worried about the solvency of that 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 fund um, to be able to, to pay on insur- on insur- uh, unemployment benefits, but also, you know, the risk of, of having to do this as a business that they were asked, um, unfortunately, by the state to be shut down. You know, what, what penalties for the businesses down the road um, for having to do that? Hopefully there are none. There's there's you know, that those are kind of the the four big things we asked of the governor, um, you know, in this time and, and hoping you know, that they can move as a state level. And obviously, I know they're waiting for some federal help as well. But um, we, need, we need help. We need support now. Um, these restaurants are are holding on by really the, the skin of their teeth. Some of them have closed completely and are worried, you know, can they reopen um, whenever we, we get through this? Right. So uh, and I should say in our final segment, we're going to talk to a server, uh, an out-of-work server uh, who is trying to get unemployment insurance and I sh- unemployment compensation. And I should sure. I should know the answer to this, Scott, but I don't. Um, those servers whose wages are wages before tips, um, is their unemployment compensation handled basically the same way as any wage-earning employ- uh, um, employee, or, or is it different somehow? I believe it is. Um, you know, I don't, I don't want to sit here and say exactly it not being um, as well as I know, but it, it is obviously not the tipped um, rate. It is. Yeah. I believe it's. It's. I think it's beyond minimum wage. I think it's what they're claimed, what they can prove that they've received. Um, you know, and, and their previous taxes of what they put in. Um, obviously, we know it's about. You know, even with the fifty percent of their employment, it could be. You know, six hundred and forty dollars. Uh, per week, I think is the maximum around that number. Um, at the same time, we also know as an association that that is not what what you know 
is going to help them pay their bills in a lot of sort of senses. These these people that were working, you know, almost 40 hours a week, if sometimes more, um, they're they're going to need more than that to be able to pay their rent, and their mortgage, those things. So we're we're obviously hoping that that first and foremost, the unemployment compensation for all of these employees that have been asking for it in this short, um, dura- hopefully to short duration, they're receiving it. Um, but the other thing we're trying to do is uh, we have a foundation that we're getting ready. Hopefully within the next 48 hours, we're going to be launching um, a fund to try to uh, give out hardship grants uh, to to some of the staff here that, that in that example that you give of people that are, that are in most need right now. And I think we're trying to do our part as much as we can. And we're hoping the state is going to continue to do their part of, of helping um, these employees because, you know, in, we, they need it more than ever. And we, we hoping, you know, we can support them uh, any way that we can. Uh, absolutely. I mean, one way to think about this, too, is that the people who are living week to week, the people who uh, and a lot of these servers uh, and other restaurant employees fall into that category, boy, they can be if, if they're not even close to being made whole, they can't pay their bills. They start a cascade, right? They can't pay their rent. They can't pay other bills. They can't make their car payments. All of those things have kind of ripple effects across the economy. So it's a, it's a good argument for making sure that they, they do have cash so they can meet their expenses. Uh, all right. Well, Scott Dolch, uh, yeah, sure. Uh, one last thing and uh, then we're going to thank, but uh, what were you going to say? No, I, I just think, you know, I, the the biggest messaging I would leave and 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 with this is for people to understand and, and even you know from the governor down is making sure they understand that you know we we obviously want to continue to to uh, understand that the crisis that we're in the public health uh, crisis of this emergency and making sure everyone is staying safe and doing those things obviously you know takeout from your local restaurant still goes a long way in supporting your restaurants in your community um, and those staff that that are that are out there doing those things so we continue to ask people. Um, to do that, and then we hope the uh, the state and federal government are going to continue to look for ways to 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 support these small businesses. I mean, they are the life the the lifeblood, the backbone of our state, um, our restaurants. And you know, we were obviously not unintention of of any of these owners. They were asked to close. Um, they were the first business probably to to be asked to close. And we hope that you know we're one of the first um, businesses to be looked at to, for that support to help them through these times and help these employees and and to get these restaurants back on their feet once we do see the end of of this crisis because you know that we I'm so concerned about that future and what these restaurants look like and you know the the, the stories I have to talk to each day of them and how much uh, they're worried about their their own their own future their employees being able to hire them back have that business that's there for them so I'm hopeful that that you know the state and federal government will continue to help us through this. All right, Scott Dolch is Executive Director of the Connecticut Restaurant Association. Thanks for being with us. We're going to take a little break. We're going to end the show with one of the servers who is on the unemployment line, metaphorically speaking, and maybe also realistically speaking. All right, we've been talking about a certain group of people uh, without talking to them. We're going to remedy that right now. Uh, Kasha Borjo is a full-time server at Capitol Grill. She's currently laid off from that work. Uh, Kasha, welcome to our show. Hi, Colin. Thank you so much for having me. 
So uh, the there's a deluge, uh, a tidal wave of people seeking unemployment compensation uh, in Connecticut and elsewhere. I think on the wheelhouse this morning, Danny Har was saying it's something like aver- averaging nine thousand new applications a day or something like that. It's a wow. uh, hundred thousand in. So you're you're trying to navigate that tidal wave right now. How's it going? Yeah, so, uh, you know, when we found out that we were all unemployed uh, about uh, eight days ago now, um, it really started a daunting process of um, uh, of uh, uh, sort of uh, unknowing uh, and how to um, uh, go through the unemployment process. Uh, there was, you know, little to no information right away, and then uh, we were sort of let free onto the online system of unemployment and uh, with them being so overrun and people applying so quickly, uh, it was, it's been a week of waiting. Um, I am happy to say that I finally got my uh, notification that my, that my application was processed. So uh, that is the first that I have heard from them in eight days. So uh, now it's sort of a, a waiting period of what does that mean exactly. I have um, not gotten any notification of what that amount will be, although it seems that, um, you know, those that are in my restaurant group and, and uh, those at Capitol Grill that I've been staying close in contact with, um, that uh, everybody has been uh, receiving notification little by little, um, and uh, we're all sort of um, um you know, in the same boat. Uh, but it looks like the process is now moving forward. And so that's been, you know, really positive for all of us that have, you know, really been in a, a state of unknowing for this past week. So Capital Grill is run by a parent company. And I know they've tried to do some things for their employees. Uh, give us a sense yeah. of what they've tried to do so far. So actually, so so our parent company is Darden Restaurant Group, and um, I have to say that they've been absolutely amazing um, in, uh, you know, all the way down from the parent company to our um, our restaurant managers and our managing partner who uh, called us all personally um, and, uh, and told us about uh, the circumstances and, and what our next steps should be. Uh, we've had a lot of support um, and, you know, in talking to other people in the industry, um, you know, that is, um, you know, uh, not happening for everybody. So, you know, I feel very lucky that myself and my team um, have really been supported by our management team and our parent company. We have been invited into the restaurant to um, to get perishable items um, as those were you know, not necessary for the large groups that we usually see coming into Capitol Grill once we were closed. Um, we have access to family meals, like Rich was talking about earlier in the show. Um, you know, our management team has made that av- available for us as well. Um, we are kept up to date, uh, you know, every other day or so from our managing partner on, um, you know, anything new that's happening. Uh, we were provided with the information for unemployment uh, very quickly, um, and our uh, our parent company is also uh, offering us emergency pay. So, you know, I do feel that we are very lucky, um, you know, working for a large restaurant group. Uh, we've had a lot of support, and, uh, you know, it just continues. Um, we're offered weekly family meals now. Our management team is actually using the gratuity from takeouts <clears throat> to provide us with family meals. So it really is a big family, um, and 
um, I feel very supported uh, in that aspect. We should say this is a job that you picked out. Uh, wasn't the only job that you could have done. I believe you trained as a corporate accountant, uh, but this is yeah. what you really like doing. Do you still feel okay about that choice? Do you feel like you, uh, you're, you're doing the right thing with your life? Well, you know, I, I thought thought quite a bit lately about you know what what it would look like if I was still doing um, you know a, a corporate accounting job, and maybe you know the 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 money would have still been going into my bank account as I sat at home and worked. <laughs> Uh, however, um, I do what I do because I do what I do because I love um, I love the service industry. I love the social aspect. I love the um, I love the you know giving people an amazing experience. And uh, so you know, I mean, this is just something that we're going to have to all get through together. And I think that one of the biggest things that stands out to me in all of this is that. You know, we've the restaurant business, the restaurant industry has always had a huge camaraderie. Mm. Um, you know, it is our family, and um, and we're all going through this together. And yes, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, um, I'm, I'm happy that I'm doing something that makes me happy. Um, you know, the this industry, you know, we never really thought that um, that this was a. We thought this was sort of an untouchable industry. I think a lot of us do. You know, everybody goes out to eat, everybody celebrates, everyone has anniversaries and, and gatherings, and uh, we're not untouchable, uh, turns out. <laughs> no. So, um, you know, in this really trying time, um, to have the support and camaraderie of all of us together is, um, is something that I, you know, I don't think that I would have experienced in, um, in you know, that that other profession that I choose, I chose to leave to come back to uh, the service industry for. So I am grateful. But it's got to be hard. You're obviously a people person. Uh, you know, I talked with Chris at the beginning of this about uh, having a team, a team that all works together and pretty works pretty closely. People have to have each other's back, so the whole system breaks down pretty quickly. And then you pile on top of that your contact with customers. Capital Grill is the kind of place that does have some regular customers, faces that you get to know, names you even get to know. It must be hard to give up all of that, too. I mean, you, you've kind of been alluding to it, but you're if you love yeah. people and if you picked a job where you'd be interacting with people all the time, uh, isolation is going to be hard. I think yeah, that's definitely the one of the hardest parts. I mean, yes, um, you know, worrying about getting a paycheck, worrying about being able to pay my bills and the ominous question of, what normalcy will look like when we go back to that and what challenges we'll be facing to restore that is obviously first on my mind. But uh, the isolation factor is difficult. And, you know, um, you know, we're, I'm really lucky. We have, you know, I keep in contact with my Capitol Grill family um, on a daily basis. You know, we've been really supportive of each other. Um, we've really shown up for each other and um, it makes a huge difference. We've, helped each other navigate through the unemployment process. We've been on a group text for, you know, ever since we, we were laid off. And uh, it really is, um, it really is comforting to know that, you know, those people are still there. Um, and, you know, I don't have that contact with my guests right now, but the way that I feel about what I do is it's all about building relationships not just with each other, but with our guests and with the community and with the, the people that we serve and give amazing experiences to. And I feel that, that 
you know, that they will be there for us, um, you know, when we come out of this. So, and that, that's really, I, I have to, I have to think that way. <laughs> yeah. Um, Kasha, you, you said something a few seconds ago about, you know, what what will it be like when things get back to quote unquote normal? You must wonder about that, you know, whether it's going to be the same, whether restaurants will have to reinvent themselves or whether your job will change at all. Have you had much time to think about that? Uh, yes, I mean that's that's definitely um, on the forefront of my mind. I, you know, I I was listening to Rich and and Chris talk earlier about um, you know what it's going to look like to bring a workforce back, and uh, and speaking to my um, managing partner David Contino earlier in the week, you know, and and him, you know, just uh, you know being really torn up about like what do we do? How do we restart? You know, do we bring everybody back? Do we bring a limited amount of people back? Will we have the business? I mean, Capitol Grill, our business is really uh, drawn from the convention center uh, in large groups and um, and also, you know, occasions. I mean, we, we sell experiences like, you know, they both were talking about earlier. It's not just about, you know, curbside pickup. It's experiences. It's it's family gatherings. It's things that mean something to people. And what does that what is that going to look like when when we come back? Are people going to trust us to um, to give them that experience in a safe way again? Is it going to take some time? Are all of our friends um, and Capital Grill family going to be able to come back? So yeah, those things are definitely um, on my mind. All right. Well, Kasha Borjo, I just met you, but you strike me as someone who's going to get through this and, and do well afterwards. And I certainly wish that to be the case. Full-time server, Capital Grill, uh, currently laid off from work. Thanks for talking to us. And thanks to all of you who listened today. Thanks to our team, too, at Connecticut Public Radio. I'm so lucky to work with that particular group. And here's Joni Mitchell to say goodbye. Sings Merry Christmas for you just like Nat King Cole And he makes up his own tune Right on the spot about white balls and windshields And this job he's got And you wanna get moving And you wanna stay still